You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. So I got all of those things taken care of. Those are super important. Now I need to know, are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Awesome. That's what I'm talking about. All right. 930 was strong. You guys are strong. I'm ready. Okay. I'm fired up. Today is one of the most important messages that I think I've delivered to our spiritual family in a long time. And I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. Uh, Today, we're continuing a series. We're in part three of a series called Foundations. And here's why that's important is because the word foundation, uh, God's made it just real clear. That's a word he's kind of centering us on this year uh, is foundation. And we as a spiritual family are working on two different foundations. And if you've been a part of the series, you're like, I heard you say that, okay? Well, you need a refresher and we got new people. And so I'm just saying this again, there's two important foundations for us. One is the physical foundation of a new property. God's crazy good to us. Last year in the middle of a global pandemic, um, he provided for us a new building. Like we need some more space. We done maxed out the closet that we hang out in down here. And so we're working on that physical foundation. We're doing some renovations to get moved in eventually uh, to our new physical foundation that'll be right down Highway 80 in the old Rankin Square Shopping Center. We're pumped. We're excited. Our hope's not in the building, but we like building. All right, that's good. It helps us reach more people. Second reason, uh, our second foundation that we're working on is the spiritual foundation, okay? And and here's the statement that we've been living under is this. Um, If the spiritual foundation of the house is not stable, it doesn't matter how stable or how beautiful the physical foundation is, all right? And if you ain't wrote that down this month, write it down, okay? Um, It doesn't matter how stable, all right, the physical foundation of the house is or how beautiful it is if the spiritual foundation of the house is broke. Okay. And so, man, we've been coming around that together where we're being very intentional to work on the foundation, all right, um, of our church, not our building, but you and me. Okay. A lot of you thought that you came to the church today. No, you came as the church, not to the church, but we are it. And so God's doing a work. And in that, uh, he's doing it kind of through this series on Sunday, because that's just kind of like when the most of us are together. And so we're talking about the essentials of faith, your faith and mine, and spiritual family. What does it look like to be together? So if you have a copy of Scripture, New Testament today, Ephesians chapter 4. So the back half of your Bible, if you've got a digital hard copy, turn there. Uh, I'll go ahead and warn you, I'm going to be in multiple passages, and so we'll put all of them up on the screen. I uh, encourage you maybe take notes even more than you turn to a place. Just take notes. There's a lot coming today, and all of it is important. Now, as you get ready to take notes and turn, uh, we started this series a few weeks ago, and there were two foundational statements for our foundation series. And I got to repeat them because they literally set the tone for what we say every week, okay? And those two truths were this. Um, First, Jesus is the foundation of the church, okay? It's not the preacher's church. It's not the longest standing member's church or the biggest giver or like any of that. It's Jesus' church, okay? He is the foundation. Everything points back to him. That's why we keep singing songs and talk about Jesus because he's it. The second truth is that we are the church, Okay? When Paul talks about the church, he didn't give a service time all right, for Memo's church. Uh, he didn't give an address. Uh, he didn't talk about the square footage of a building. He talked about the people. So like, we it. We, we are the church. And so you go, why is that important? Well, because here's the deal. If we want God to like do a work through his church, God, do something great in your church, bring revival, yada, yada, all those things we like to say, and guess who it starts with? Mm-hmm, us, because we it. And so, like, be careful what you pray, okay, because he'll do a work in you. And so we're saying that a healthy house, a great church, is not because it's, like, got a really pretty building, um, but it's because it's made up of really obedient people, okay, because the church is just, or the building is just a structure. The church is the people. So those two things shape us. And so over these few weeks, we, in week one, we talked about being a spirit-dependent people, like not just spiritually indifferent. We said a lot of people in our culture... Like, they'll do church, but they don't really give a rip. And so week one, we said, man, let's be people who are daily dependent on the Spirit. Last week, week two, we said a healthy house is made up where every person is a participator. Like, every, every believer, if you're in Christ, you're a minister. It's not, not the church staff's job, but, like, it's everybody's job to do ministry. So that sets the table for today. Here's our big foundational statement is this. The foundation of a healthy church is maturing and multiplying disciples. Write that down. Everything's about to come out of that. The foundation of a healthy church is multiply, or maturing and multiplying disciples, and both of those words matter a lot. 
Now, let's go to the Word. Um, this is the same passage we actually used last week. I'm going to use it again this week to set up today. Uh, I don't know what translation you're in. I'm going to read it this week um, from the message just because it kind of sets the tone for where we're headed today. Um, but it's all true no matter where you're reading it, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. You can follow the message translation on the screen here in this room or in our online gathering. Here's what it says. Paul writes, he said, God wants us to, you help me, God wants us to to grow up. You said it, not me, okay? To know the whole truth and to tell it in love like Christ in everything, that we would be like Jesus, okay? We take our lead from Christ, who's the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. And his very breath and blood, they flow through us, nourishing us so that we will, help me, grow up. There we go. Healthy in God and robust in love. Scripture says we are called to spiritually grow up. Now, other translations use the words mature. We're called to mature in Christ. Love that. We're going to use that word a ton today. Here's what I'm saying to you. The New Testament of God's word, the Bible, is very clear that the command for every follower of Jesus is to grow up in spiritual maturity. Undebatable, okay? However, here's my fear. My fear is that many of us, all right, many people have attended church gatherings for years have declared themselves to be Christians to many people around them, but they are still living their spiritual life in the spiritual nursery. There we go. That's the tension that we're going to sit in today, okay? And my prayer is that God's going to use today, and I'm just saying today, all right, it's going to be real, it's going to be raw, that's kind of how we do it, all right, because God challenges us, not because we mad at each other, because God's challenging us. And so my prayer today is that God's going to challenge, he's going to awaken some people, it's going to be good, okay? if we will lean in and realize that God's called us to be maturing and multiplying disciples of Jesus. Now, if that's what he called us to, then part of my role is to help answer that question. How, how do we do that? How do we mature in Christ? And I want to answer that question, and I will. Before I answer that question, I want to give you um, four myths about spiritual maturity, okay? These are coming from a book that I've been reading recently, and I was like, man, that's speaking directly to the foundation um, of kind of what we're talking about, okay? So I'm about to give you myths. Are myths true or false? False, okay? Just making sure. Some of y'all, that was questionable for some of you, okay? Here we go. All right, myth one, this is not true, but you're going to see that a lot of people begin to believe these things, okay? Myth one is this, spiritual maturity is automatic once you become a Christian, okay? Write that down. Spiritual growth and maturity does not just happen once you're saved and choose to follow Jesus. Now, here's where we live. A lot of people believe, even some churches will teach you, if you'll just come to church services regularly, then you will become spiritually mature, okay? And like, that's why some of us, we're like, when we've been out for a while, we're like, ooh, I really need to get back in church. My life's off kilter, get back in church, go on Sunday, that's gonna fix me, okay? So let me just say, First, that ain't true. Second, even if it was true, can I tell you something? The average American church attender, you want to know how many times a month they now come on average? One. So even if it was true, it's broke because it ain't happening. So here's what I'm proposing to us. Many churches are filled with people who've attended services, gatherings all their lives, yet they're still spiritual babies. Spiritual growth doesn't just happen automatically. You're not just born into it. Millions of Christians have grown older without ever growing up. Okay? Myth. The myth is maturity is automatic. It's not. Okay? Myth number two. Keep taking notes. Stay with me. Spiritual maturity is only possible for the spiritually elite. When many people hear that term today, like spiritually mature, like really in Christ, growing with him, like we get this idea of, you know, somebody in a white robe sitting on a yoga mat going, mm, okay, or like, like a priest and like his little garb or the Pope or, you know, a monk or Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. And we're like, well, I'm not them. So why should I even try? I'll never reach that. Okay. And so a lot of people hear that and they go, well, I, I'm not them. So why give effort? And so some people believe that spiritual maturity is only possible for like Super Christians, okay? Not true. Myth three, spiritual maturity is measured by what you know. Uh-oh, this is good. Okay, many churches and Christians, they will evaluate spiritual maturity solely on how well you can interpret Bible passages, quote verses, and explain theology. And people then begin to believe that maturity is seen 
primarily in your ability to debate theological and doctrinal topics. Now hear me, biblical knowledge is very important to spiritual maturity, but it ain't the total measurement of it. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. Maturity isn't just what you know. And here's the fourth and final myth. Spiritual maturity is a personal and private matter. These are myths, okay? I don't know if you've noticed this, as you've watched culture at your workplace, read articles, all that, okay? The American culture has only become more and more individualized, okay? And guess what, like, the old Uncle COVID did? We're just more and more about ourselves, okay? Very individualized. And guess what? That's just spilled over into how we think about spiritual maturity. And therefore, there's a lot of teaching today that's like, man, it's good teaching, but it tends to be self-centered and self-focused when it talks about our spiritual life, and it makes really no reference to relationship with other Christians. And I'm just saying today over us, that's unbiblical, and it's actually counter to most of the New Testament, okay? So in summary, spiritual maturity is it's not automatic. It's not just for the spiritually elite. It's not measured just by what you know, and it's not a personal and private matter, all right? Those are myths that we just talked about. But unfortunately, many people in our culture, sometimes maybe even people listening right now, have bought these to be truths. So what does that lead to? Well, in many ways, we could argue that these beliefs have led to churches who are filled with people who know how to do the motions of religion, but who are not truly maturing and multiplying as disciples. And that's the tension that we sit in. So if those are myths about spiritual maturity, not true, then what is true? Okay, that's important to look at too. I'm going to give you the countering truths to those myths. So note takers, other side of the paper. Here we go. Truth one, spiritual maturity is intentional. It's intentional. Spiritual maturity requires commitment and effort to grow spiritually. You got you to want it, all right? You got to want to grow and make an effort to grow in your faith. Or we could say it this way, discipleship begins with a decision to want to grow. Okay? Paul, New Testament, all right? He became a pretty good disciple of Jesus. Here's what Paul wrote, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Just look at a couple of verses. He says, "Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, as you're looking at that, notice Paul says work out and not work on your salvation, okay? Don't hear me wrong. There's nothing that we can do to add to what Jesus has done for our salvation, okay? It was a finished work. Paul's writing to people who were saved, all right? They were in Christ, and what he's doing is he's encouraging them to, like, step up, all right? Give a little effort and intentionality to your spiritual maturity. God has a part in your spiritual maturity and mine. But guess what? We do too, all right? Both of us are called to give effort into this. Becoming like Jesus is a result of the commitments we make. Right, I read a quote this week, and I love it. It said this, we become whatever we are committed to. Ooh, that's true, okay? We become whatever we're committed to. Don't believe me? Watch this, all right? If you are committed to becoming the boss at your job, the leader of your company, your organization, whatever, Guess what? You will become immersed in your work, okay? Uh, if you are committed to like, I'm going to get married, that's the desire of my heart, okay? Guess what you will become? You will become consumed with chasing Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Okay? We become what we are committed to. And so what I'm saying is that spiritually, it's the same way. Growing spiritually requires commitment and intentionality. Truth two, stay with me. Spiritual maturity is possible for anyone. Now, a lot of people believe the myth that we stated that it's only possible for the spiritual elite and it requires like this perfect formula and they were just born that way. Okay, listen, the truth is any believer in Christ can grow to maturity if they will develop the habits necessary for spiritual growth in our life. If you read the New Testament, Paul likens a lot of times our spiritual growth and maturity to that of an athlete. So if you play sports, you kind of get this. I want to read to you 1 Timothy 4, 7, a section of it. All right, this is the Living Bible. It says it this way. Spend your time and your energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. I love the way that makes that tangible, okay? Just like anybody can become physically fit if they do certain exercises and practice good health habits, spiritual fitness 
is a matter of learning certain spiritual habits and disciplines in your life and then putting them to work, okay? And it's possible for anybody. I've heard it said this way. Character is shaped by the habits we develop. That's true, okay? In your life, like practically in your everyday and in your spiritual life, your character right, in Christ is shaped by the habits that you develop. But listen, the truth is spiritual growth is possible for anybody. I don't care how old you are, young you are, how long you've been doing the church thing or not, you can grow in Christ. Truth three, spiritual maturity is demonstrated more by behavior than by beliefs. Ooh, I like this one, Okay. Spiritual maturity is demonstrated more by behavior than by beliefs. So here's what I'm saying. Contrary to the myth that spiritual maturity is only measured by what you know, I'm saying to you the Christian life isn't just a matter of creeds and convictions, but it's more about conduct and character. Your beliefs better be backed up by your behavior. Or James would say it this way. James chapter 2, verse 18, look at it. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Scripture says our attitudes and our actions reveal our maturity more than anything. In fact, you read New Testament. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit, not by their knowledge. He didn't say one important, but he says you'll know them by their fruit. Biblical knowledge is just one measurement of how we mature in Christ. We can also measure somebody's maturity by their convictions, their perspective, their character, okay? Do you know what happens when we only have knowledge? We only have knowledge that produces pride in us, not Christ-likeness. And if we raise hands today, there'd be a lot of you got a lot of church hurt because somebody lived only for knowledge and it produced pride in them and it hurt you and pushed you away because it wasn't Christ-likeness, okay? Jesus said not just knowledge, but fruit of your life and you do all that together, and that's what community and family looks like, okay? Truth four, here we go. Spiritual maturity happens in community. Spiritual maturity happens in community. Spiritual growth is not a personal and private matter, but relationships are essential to grow and mature us spiritually. We don't grow in isolation from others, but we grow and mature in the context of fellowship and relationship with others. Let me back it up with the word. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur who? Just ourselves? No, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. In other words, becoming like Jesus. How do we do that? Well, don't give up meeting together. Like, be together, as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, this world going to come to an end. Like, the timeline is running out so don't do it alone. Grow together. You need one another in community to become spiritually mature. God intends for us to grow with others in community. Relationships play an essential role to us growing in maturity. Over and over and over, Scripture enforces that. Okay? Christians were called to do life with one another and grow with one another. In fact, I love that 1 John 1, it literally says part of the proof that we're walking in the light or that we're in Christ is if we have fellowship with one another. Like he says, part of the, like, the proof that you're in is that you're walking in community with other people. So spiritual maturity happens in community with other believers. Now, if you've been a part of our house for long enough, you've heard us say about 20 billion times, okay, that you weren't meant to do life alone. And we don't say that because it like kind of sounds good. We say it because it's true. Like it's what the word calls us to. You and I are meant to grow spiritually with others in community. And so here's the bottom line again today, right? The foundation of a healthy church is maturing and multiplying disciples, followers of Jesus. Now, let me get real. My fear is that many people in the church as a whole, in our culture, and even more specifically, in our spiritual family, are not maturing and multiplying as a disciple. And that's the issue today. Okay? Let me keep going. The goal of our church and the goal for you, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, is not just to show up to this building for an hour on Sunday or two or to get on the other side of that screen whenever it works out 
and then hope that somehow that hour just makes you more like Jesus. Okay? The goal is not to just get you in the seats for 60 minutes. Okay? It's not. Our deepest desire for you and our hope today is that your deepest desire, if you would say that you're a follower of Jesus, is that you would allow God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the everyday God, to change your life daily as you grow spiritually, and then to share that with other people. That's it. That's the goal. It's not an hour. It's a daily relationship that changes us. So how does that happen? Well, that happens, we just said it, that happens in community with other believers. Every single one of us need it, the introverts and the extroverts. I see you, all of us, okay? So let me tell you real quick, okay? I'm going to tell you about two ways that that happens in our spiritual family. One of them you know about, one of them you don't know about. You ready? Okay? One of the ways spiritual community happens with us, all right, as the exchange family is through what we call life groups. If you've been with our house, you've heard that. Life groups are smaller groups of, of men, women, couples, students, all right? Four of them, five of them, 12 people, 14 people who get together every week or every other week. What do they do? Well, they care for each other. They pray for each other, they share life together, and they grow spiritually. Can I tell you what? The truth is you can come to one of our Sunday gatherings, just like you are right now, and you can gather in this room or on the other side of that screen, and you can end and walk out of this moment and not know a soul. You, like you can, okay? People do it every week and not have a single person know you. In a group right, is a place where you can be known, you can know others, and you can grow with other people. And if I'm tracking with what Jesus was saying today, he said all them things are important, okay? So we have a couple hundred people, like literally right, right now, a couple hundred people connected into life groups in our spiritual family. And, and over the last nine years, we've watched God do some pretty phenomenal stuff through life groups. We've watched I mean, groups care for one another in moments of like real need in people's lives. And the group loved one another and walked with them. And we've watched them celebrate together, man, new life and job provisions and all those things. We've watched friendships, relationships get formed. People didn't even know each other. And then God put them together in community, and now, like, they're friends forever because God's good like that, okay? God can do that. And there are probably some of you even listening right now, and you know the power of being a part of a life group, okay? Because, like, community matters. It's how you grow together, how you care for each other, okay? It ain't about Sunday. It's about growing together. Now, that's one. told you there'd be a second thing. Here's where we are. Over the last season... Um, man, our, our church leadership, our staff team, particularly our discipleship team, has really felt like, man, God was doing, he was birthing something new in us. And so what I'm about to tell you about, there has been literally weeks and weeks and hours and hours of thought and prayer and intentionality and strategy and, and listening to the Holy Spirit and following him and walking it out to, to roll this out to you. And so what I'm about to do is I'm about to introduce you to what we feel is, is a new tool. It's not the be-all, end-all, but it's a new tool to help us become maturing and multiplying disciples because that's what Jesus said, okay? And so today I want to introduce you to something called e-groups, right? E-groups, that's it. What's the E stand for? Exchange, all right? That's it, that's it, all right? That's, a, that's as deep as that goes, okay? I'm going to go a little deeper, but like, that's it, exchange, okay? Because like, that's who we are if you didn't pick that up on the way in, okay? So exchange groups, what, what, what is an e-group? Well, e-groups are built around the idea of what we said today, maturing and multiplying together as disciples. Now, you got a lot of questions? I got a lot of answers. I'm so glad you're asking, okay? So here's what I'm gonna do. I'll take a few minutes and just explain to you very simply, okay? This ain't gonna be real preachery. This is gonna be real just like informational, but I'm about to tell you why it's important um, about what is an e-group, okay? So here's the vision statement of e-group. E-groups are gender-specific groups of three people who commit to meet weekly for accountability, Bible reading, and prayer with the goal of making disciples, all right. Some of y'all want to write that down. I'll try to repeat it a little slower. E-groups are gender-specific groups of three people who commit to meet weekly for accountability, Bible reading, and prayer with the goal of making disciples. Now, let me make it real practical. E-groups are built around the foundation of three people with three priorities for three months. Here's what E-groups is about. It's about you looking at two other people and going, hey, would you meet with me for one hour a week and read a book of the Bible? 
That's it. There's no more to it. Like that, that's it. And guess what? Everybody can do that. Everybody. That's it. No, there's more. No, no, no. Like that's it. That, that's what we're calling you to today. To mature and multiply as a disciple. Now, there is a little more detail I want to give you, but that's, that's the end goal today, okay? Some of y'all thought I was talking about the building today. Guess what? I ain't talking about the building today, all right? This is important because we're called to work on the spiritual foundation before we get on the physical foundation, okay? So I'm about to explain it. Stay with me. There, there is no leader in an e-group. Some of you are like, I couldn't do an e-group. No, you ain't got to be a leader. It's just three people. Three people. That's it. And you go, why, why three people? Why not four? I like four. L- listen, here's why, Okay? Because we've realized that the smaller a group is, all right, the more intimate the connection is and the more deeper the growth is. Here's kind of what our discipleship team says. We say small groups equal big relationships. That's good, ain't it, right? And guess what? It's true because we watch y'all. We see how you grow together. Guess what? Here's why also three. Because three people is way easier to schedule and to find a place to meet than like seven or eight or 12, Okay. Some of y'all are like, I ain't never had a life group up in my house. It's like 14 people, and my living room ain't that big. Listen to me. You can fit three around your kitchen table, okay? So three is good. Also three people, you know what it does? It makes it a lot easier to multiply and to create more groups. I'm going to talk a whole lot about that in just a second. So the goal is for you to do this. Here's how an e-group launches. You ready? You ask one other person to be a part of an e-group with you. You just go, hey, would you read a book of the Bible with me? Like for one hour a week, would you do that? And they go... I think I can do that. You, you know the word completely? No, me either. Cool, let's grow together, okay? And you go, well, you, for you to be in a group with me, I just would you go find one more person to come with us? Why we do it that way? Because guess what? Everybody's got buy-in. And, and there's relationships that are already formed. And guess what? The word's good and the word's the, the center of the group, but you know what's the glue of the group? Relationships. You, you stay in a group because you know somebody, all right? And they know you, okay? So how many people? Three, Three people. Four? No, three people. Okay, I'm just making sure you got it. Online, I'm trusting that you got it. Three people, three priorities. Listen, these are very important, okay? The three priorities is Bible reading, accountability, and prayer. And I know you know what those words mean, but I'm going to put a little flesh on them, okay? E-groups are set up for you to read one chapter a day for five days a week because none of y'all is perfect and hit seven out of seven every week, okay? The preacher show don't, all right? We need them two days to catch up. One chapter a day. Five days a week. That's it. That's it, okay? And then inside of that, we're going to teach you a super simple journal method. And like some of my guys are like, ooh, journal, that's a diary. No, it ain't. Listen, it's talking about what God's teaching you. And we'll tell you how to do it, okay? So you journal, all right, what God is teaching you because Bible reading is a foundation. It's a priority of e-groups. I ran across a quote recently. Don't miss this. And it said, Americans are the most reached people group but we reach for our Bibles the least. You can say, ouch or amen. Either way, it's true. Listen to me. Here's what I'm saying today. We, we will not be disciples. We will not multiply, and we will not have a healthy house all right, if we ain't people of the Word. Okay? And listen, I'm not guilting you into the Word. That don't work. That works until about Tuesday, and that's it. Okay? <laughs> I'm saying today that when, we're do, when we do it in accountability, okay, we grow in it. Okay, and so the, the Bible is an important part of e-group, okay? That's the greatest foundation to build your life on. So e-groups, they're going to have a reading plan. You just walk through it. Like it tells you what to read. Everybody can do it, okay? E-groups build around Bible reading, and the second is accountability. This is good. Maturity only comes with accountability. Maturity only comes with accountability. Yes, sir. You don't believe me? Why do athletes have coaches? Why do people who want to get fit have trainers? Why do people who are struggling with addiction go to things like AA? Because we all need accountability. All of us. You and I ain't that big a boy. We're not that disciplined. We need accountability. And e-groups are going to be a place where together we mature as we hold each other accountable. And so literally in a, in a kit that you're going to get uh, access to today, it's got questions that you can just use as prompts with you and your two, okay, to grow together. Well, what does that mean? Well, questions like, have you spent quality time with your family this week? How have you served others this week? How did you keep your thoughts pure this week? You're like, that's up in my business. No, that's called accountability. <laughs> and accountability produces maturity. 
And if that's what we're about, then that's part of it, okay? Also, e-groups will be built around prayer. There ain't a person listening right now who don't want somebody to pray for them and pray with them. Okay? And so we're going to do that together. Man, you need two people in your life who are consistently doing that for you and with you. And e-groups are built around that. Okay? So three priorities. Bible reading, accountability, prayer. Super simple, yet extravagant. Finally, e-groups are built to last for three months. Okay? At least three months. You go, why three months? Well, listen, you meet weekly for one hour for three months. We have built it so that there's a reading plan for you to read through a book of the Bible, at least, in three months. Now listen, some go, groups will go for three months. Some groups may go a little bit longer. Right? However, we think that meeting weekly is important. You go, well, I don't have the time. Well, listen to me. When you meet weekly, what does that do for me? It builds consistency and habits in your life, and it keeps connection among the group. And all of those things are super important. Where are we going to meet? Listen, three people. You meet anywhere. Meet at your house, meet at the coffee shop. Well, they live another a place away or they COVID away. Well, listen, get on Zoom. Get on FaceTime. Put the kids in bed at 8 o'clock and you hop on for an hour at 9 o'clock on Tuesday nights. That's it. All right? You can do it anywhere. There are literally no boundaries, no limits. Well, you may say, what, what happens in a group time? Like you just laid out simple things. What happens? We got you. It's covered, okay? And then today, you're going to get access before you end our online gathering or walk out of here. You're going to get access to a total free e-kit that gives everything that you need to know. But I want to walk through this real fast, okay? Here's what happens as your group gathers. You and your two guys or you and your two girls. Listen, six C's because they're memorable. So in your group time, you're going to connect together. What's that mean? Just hang out for a few minutes. Talk about life. How was your week? That's important. That builds relationship and connection. Second, you celebrate some wins from the week. Like maybe somebody in your group journal for three times out of five days. That's a big deal. So celebrate that. I mean, that's good. Like that's, that's part of what we do together as Christ followers. Next, you check in on each other. You choose one of those accountability questions, bounce it off of one another, and hold each other accountable. Then you coach, okay? This isn't the role of a leader because they're not a leader. Coaching is simply we got some questions for you that just... Men ask you, hey, how's what you're reading? How's God speaking to you through that? And so you coach those things together. And the fifth one is you care for one another. And just pray together. Bro, how can I pray for you? And you pray. That's it. And then finally, communicate. Hey, where are we getting together next week? Cool. Thursday, three? All right, I'll be there at your place. That's it. That, that's the group. And guess what? All of those things can be accomplished in one hour. Now, if you long-winded, that's on you. Okay? One hour. One hour for you to begin maturing and multiplying as a disciple. Now, I know what some of y'all extroverts are thinking, all right? Especially some of my ladies, okay? What if we want to add a fourth person? We got four friends, okay? That's awesome. Launch a new group. No, I'm serious. Launch a new group. Why? Why? Listen, because it allows it to stay at three, and there's power in that three. There's intimacy in that three. And guess what? Man, when you pull that fourth person in, you launch a new group, it allows more people to begin to mature and multiply as disciples. One of the biggest things, and hear me, one of the biggest problems with spiritual community in our culture and even in our church, because we watch it, okay, is our unwillingness to sometimes include others. That's real, okay? Often we kind of find our little holy huddle of friends, and we're like, it's us four and no more, and ain't nobody else coming in, okay? But that prohibits, listen, it prohibits other people from growing as maturing disciples in Christ. And so here's the, watch this picture. Our desire is that e-groups would start, and maybe like they'll start and just be a whole bunch of people like meeting groups within our church. But watch, how cool would it be if, if before time, before too long, like a neighbor gets included and a coworker? and a friend from the gym, and a classmate who don't even know about the exchange, but they're hungry to go in Jesus. And man, what would it look like if people all across our city begin to have two other people that they're maturing and growing in Christ-likeness with? Man, it could, ooh, it could be good, okay? Now, I realize some of you, especially if you've been a part of our church for a little while, like you're, there's some other questions. I want to answer three quick questions real fast, okay? How do I join an e-group? Some of y'all, man, spirit speaking, and you're ready. Man, I hope, I hope you are. Okay, so how do I join an e-group? You don't. You launch one. Well, I'm not a leader. Cool, we don't need a leader. I'm serious. We just need you to be obedient. 
You don't have to know the word. You don't have to have ever preached, ever led a Sunday school class. And you just got to be hungry for Jesus and look at one other person and go, hey, would you read the word with me? Yep, I'll do it. Hey, I got a, I got a guy I work with. Could he join us? Yep, we need three. That's it. I mean, anybody can do that. And so on your way out today, everybody's going to get an informational sheet that'll tell you how to access, all right, a total free e-kit that's got, e-group kit that's got everything for you. There's no leader kit because there's no leader. Everybody gets the same thing. Online, you're going to get access to that too. We made it super simple. Some of you are going, well, hold on, you've been talking about life groups. Okay, what's happening to life groups? Nothing. They, they're still there. We, we think they're a vital part of God building relationships with each other all right, and growing together. So if you want a life group, keep rolling, all right? Join people into that. Grow together with Jesus and with others. And some of you, I know you're going like, hold on, I'm, I'm in a conundrum now. Should I be in a life group or should I be in an e-group? All right? That's up to you. You, you, you pick what the Holy Spirit's leading you to do, okay? If you're new to our family, kind of new, and you're just looking to, to meet a lot of people, begin to make some relationships, I'd encourage you to check out a life group. Right? You, you start that. Men, women, couples, we'd love to get you connected. Maybe you've been in a life group for a while, and you're like, man, I just I need a new rhythm, like a new, new pattern. I feel like maybe I'm, I'm stale, and I just need something to freshen it up. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? Launch an e-group. Grab two guys, grab two girls, and go. Right? Some of you... If you've not been able to connect with a life group, some of you heard me talk about life group for years and you've not done it because you're like, well, my schedule or this or that. Listen, you can launch an e-group. It's three people for one hour. That's it. You can do either or you can do both. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Just do something. Do something. This little thing right here, this isn't enough. Do something to mature and multiply in, in Christ. Can I tell you what your pastor's going to do, just to be real with you? Man, I'm in a, I'm in a men's life group, and we, we, like, we never miss, okay? 6 a.m., donut shop. I don't lead it. I'm just in it because I need those bros, and, man, I hope in some way they need me. Maybe they just want me to buy the donuts. I don't know. But, like, my desire is I'm going to keep being a part of that because I need those relationships, and I want to grow with those guys. But I'm also going to launch an e-group. Because I think that every single person, everybody, if you're in Christ, you're called to mature and multiply with other people. And I, I want to go. I want to I be a part of that. I heard somebody say recently, if you're too busy for spiritual community, then you're saying you're too busy to follow Jesus. Jesus demonstrated it. He went first. You notice he never calls us to something that he didn't go first in? He demonstrated the importance of growing with other believers as he walked with his disciples. And then guess what he also had? He had his three. Growing and maturing with others isn't optional if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus. And the preachers talk to you a lot today, okay? And there's a lot of information. You're taking that all in. And I pray that the Spirit has talked to you more than the preacher has. But here's the deal. I want you to hear from somebody else, okay? Because over the last season, we've got some groups that have already just started. And can I be real with you? God's doing some crazy cool stuff in these people's lives. And I want you to hear it firsthand from them. So you guys take a look at this video. I knew the expectations and I knew it was going to challenge me in some areas of my life that maybe I had become complacent in and not as disciplined in. I knew this was going to bring a new level of accountability that truly I didn't know at that time that I needed. Just being a part of a group, a, um, a small group that um, that you were going to be held accountable. I mean, there was some, some accountability that... that um, really I needed in my life. We were all pushing to know God deeper and, and to mature in our faith. The What's different in, in the small group with the accountability, it's not just about uh, learning more of the Bible, but what are we living? So it's not just knowledge. Because I have that accountability of weekly getting together with my group, I have actually gotten into the Word more and more regularly than I have in my entire life. It's really shaken up my entire routine of, hey, when I wake up, 
I'm not scrolling social first thing when I wake up. I'm designating time even as early as 5.30 to dig into the Word and really make note of what stood out to me and to even just start my morning off that way, all because the group has kind of led me to do that. It built some spiritual disciplines in my life that I hadn't had before. The accountability sort of helps you center and focus on, on that stuff. I've never journaled before, and that's, that's something that I've really started enjoying doing. It's a priority now every day um, to get in the Word and try to find out who God is. So the accountability just makes me be honest with myself and how am I really not just reading the Word, knowing the Word, you know, I know this verse or this story, but how in my life today, you know, how am I living that out in my family, in my work, in, in my life? It makes me do the things that I know I need to be doing and God has called me to do and convicted me to do and somebody, having somebody ask me, are you doing it? It makes me do it. There is a new level of community, a really intimate fellowship with girls who, like I just, love being around. With that accountability, it's also um, brought forth some new transparency in my life of being able to share and know that those people are going to be praying with me daily on those things, mourning with me and celebrating with me. It's really made um, all of us in the group um, really accountable to each other. You know, we, we text each other, we call each other, we, you know, how you doing today? Um, did you get a chance to read today? Did you get a chance to journal today? It's really helped to focus and know that, you know, we're all doing this together. We're all in it together. It's been a joy to go and be a part of this group with these other guys and just build relationships with these people. If I don't make time, um, I feel like um, my life just goes gets off kilter. But that commitment to do it every week is, is vital because if you don't, we'll just make excuses and not do it. You make the timing because of the benefit and you, you'll miss it. It's just the Word of God and the relationship, uh, really knowing people, not just surface, that um, makes your, your life so much more fuller and meaningful. I had the same feelings, you know, the hesitancy, the fear, the commitment, all the stuff that you, well, can I do this? You know, am I gonna have time to commit to this every week? And you'll, you'll know God deeper. You will um, know more about yourself. You will build relationships with people that, at least for me, I needed. I know I'm eternally blessed because of it. And I truly believe that anyone who decides to take the step of faith in growing deeper in the relationship with the Lord and with others, it's only going to be met with His goodness. It's probably not going to be your besties. You know, a lot of times we want to just stick with our best friends, and we're going to we're going to be with our best friends. We're going to make time for that. But um, sometimes I think it, it's it's very beneficial to be in a small group with not your besties because you can be maybe more real, or you are asked the hard questions and you're not just told what you want to hear or what they think you want to hear. It just gets you off being so self-focused and so all about me and so consumed that I can't hold my head up. This is um, a choice. I don't think there's a season of life that it wouldn't be beneficial. I think everybody in our group is, God has equipped them to be able to to get a couple of guys together, each one of us, and, um, and disciple some other guys. For me, it can't, it can't just stop with us. For it to spread and, and to reach other people, um, you gotta multiply. You, you gotta bring other guys in and send them out. You know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be discipling other people and we're supposed to help each other, love each other, and, um, and guide each other towards Jesus. See, the foundation of a healthy house is where they're maturing and multiplying disciples, where people are hungry to live out what God's called them to do. So now let me turn it to you. I just want to ask you three questions. Let me ask you, who, 
Who are you growing with spiritually right now? Who are you, who are you helping intentionally grow spiritually right now? And then finally, who's holding you accountable for your faith? And can I just say today with all the grace and all the love, but all the truth as your pastor, if you're a follower of Jesus, no one is not an acceptable answer for any of those questions. It's just not. So you may say, well, Brad, like, why, why is the message today so important? Like, you sent the email, and you made a video, and we heard it, and, like, we was coming, we thought you were talking about the building. Why, why is today so important? Why, why you get so fired up? Like, what, why do you say it's the most important? Listen, I got two reasons. I'm going to give them to you right now. First is because over the last season, I mean, it's been revealed. There's, there's a whole lot of people, even some who are in our spiritual family, who in many ways are isolated, are spiritually weak, and are not truly growing as a disciple of Jesus. This is real. And man, we believe that e-groups are not the be-all, end-all, but man, it's a simple step that anybody can take to begin to mature and grow up in Christ, which is what the Word told us to do. That's one reason today is important. Second reason is, I believe today that this message, man, this, this simple step of just getting two people and reading the Word together and walking in it, being accountable, I believe it could literally transform our church and transform our city. Some of you are like, that's preacher talk. Hmm, maybe so, but I'll, can I show you something? I mean, here's, here's my hope today. Today I'm praying that 75 people in our house, 75 people would say yes. I'm like, I, I need to mature, and I'm going to do it with some other people. And 75 people would say yes. Just, listen, we have hundreds of people connected to our house. I'm just saying, God, would you give us 75 Actually, make that 74, because I'm in. 74 people who go, I'll do it. I can give one hour of my week, because I'm not too busy to be a follower of Jesus, and I want to grow, and I want to mature, and I want to multiply as disciples, okay? But you see, there, there's, there's a word there. We use the word mature, and we use the word multiply, and both of them carried a whole lot of significance. And so I want to show you just something real quick, all right? I'm not a mathematician, but this week, God began to put in, putting some numbers together as we thought about this idea of e-groups and what does it look like and how could it change us and our church and our community and, our, and beyond. Watch this, okay? So today, if man, 75 people just went, I'm in. Like, I can do that. Like, it's, it's important. I'm missing that. I need that. I want to know God. I want to have the story of those three people that I heard just a second ago. Watch this. If 75 people just begin to do that right now. That's like, and let's just say it's just people just within our church. Like, you grab two more in our church. That's 25 groups. We can do that. 25 groups. And for the next three months, man, they met around those three priorities, Bible reading, accountability, prayer, and God began to do something in them. But then they got to the end of the three months and they went, but listen, just like Steve said, it can't stop with us. There's more people to, to mature and disciple and we're called to multiply. It ain't about just us and our little relationship. So, hey, listen, you guys go out. I invited you in. You go out and grab two more. Okay, now watch this. Here's where the math starts getting crazy. Okay, we did this. And so the two people go get two more unique people. Like they hadn't been in it yet. And 75 people at the end of three months, 75 doubles because new people coming in, and you got 150 people at the end of three months. Grow, growing as disciples, 150 people. Well, I kept running math, and, and stay with me. Some of you can do the math faster than me. In six months, 150 people became, what, 300 people growing as disciples of Jesus. Ooh, that's good, okay? Come on, somebody. Like, I'm, I'm excited about that. In nine months... Because they were being obedient and they got hungry for what Jesus was doing, 300 disciples became 600 disciples. And at the end of the year, you do the math, 1,200 people, over 1,000 people growing as followers, mature, maturing as disciples of Jesus Come on, church, like if, if that doesn't get you excited, then something needs to be checked on your spiritual pulse because that's who we're called to be. That's how the church was going to multiply from the get-go. How do you think Acts happened? Because people started walking it out. They may not have had E-groups, but they had Acts groups, and it was happening, <laughs> all right? 
And man, 3,000 people got added to the number. You think they had life groups? No, man, they began growing together. And man, I looked at that number this week and I was like, woo, that's good. I was, man, I was fired up. I couldn't wait to show you that number. I was, I was excited. And that was until Saturday morning. And God woke me up, literally. And he said, why don't you just, just run it one more time? And so laying in my bed, I pulled my phone over with my calculator. And he said, well, what could happen in two years? Like, what if it, like, people really started walking this out? It ain't hard. It's just obedience. And I ran the math of the 15 months and the 18 months and the 21 months. At the end of two years, man, if God began doing something in people because we cared and we were growing and we were maturing and multiplying, at the end of two years, here's the number, 19,200 people growing as followers of Jesus. Come on, church. Come on. That's a big number. That's a huge number. All right. That makes my brain hurt. And I was like, good gracious. Like, God, you could, you could really do that though, couldn't you? And he's like, yeah, I could. I mean, if I get inside of people who are really hungry to mature and multiply, I could do it. But listen to me. Here's why that number rocked me. Because nine and a half years ago, we started a church in this city to reach people who are far from God. And we were confronted with the reality that some 70% of, of just this city, like the little 39208 thing, some of you come from outside of that, but like just here in just our city, 70% of people are not connected to a life-giving church, which means there's a really good chance that they're not connected to the life-giving Savior of the church, and they probably ain't maturing and multiplying as disciples. And I did the math. And do you know what 70% of the 27,500 people in our city is? 19,250. 19,200 is 70% of our city. But it starts with 75. Who just said, yes, I give a rip. And I want Jesus to do something in me. And I mature and I grow deeper with Jesus in community. And man, I want to, like, I'm not too busy to grow as a follower of Jesus and it's going to be a priority in my life. And it takes men and women and students and husbands and wives and dads and moms and grandparents going like, yeah, I'm in. And I'll be a part of that. I want to mature in Jesus and I want to multiply for Jesus. And so here's why today is such a big deal. Because my prayer for you is that there'd be many, many people who would hear this and they would wake up. And we'd stop believing the myths about our spiritual maturity. And we would begin to be maturing and multiplying disciples of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc, or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.